Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode. My name is Hiba, and if it's your first time listening, welcome to my true crime podcast, the Everything Spooky Podcast. This podcast is a deep dive ranging from true crime to conspiracy theories, unsolved mysteries, and everything spooky and scary. So if you're interested in any of this, make sure to subscribe. My podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I drop episodes on the weekly and I also take recommendations and suggestions from listeners. Speaking of recommendations, today's episode was recommended by my dear friend Jano. I hope she's listening to this right now. Um, Last week, I dropped an episode about the CISO Hotel and I slightly mentioned Richard Ramirez and I asked you guys... If you want a full episode on him, just let me know or recommend it to me. And my friend Jenna ended up recommending the full episode about him. Also, feel free if you have any recommendations, suggestions, or anything you want to hear from me for future episodes, just let me know. And of course, don't forget to leave a comment after your listen and rate my episodes. So without further ado, grab your drinks or grab your blankets and let's get started. So, like I said, today's episode is about Richard Ramirez, aka the Night Stalker. Richard was one of five children. His father was a former police officer who was working in Juarez, Mexico. And they ended up leaving Mexico and he, um, the family actually ended up moving to Texas because his father had to work on the Santa Fe railroad project so the whole family moved from mexico to texas the father um he was a very hard-working man and he was determined to provide everything for his family as a father should and he was really prone to burst um, a lot of anger he would often physically abuse his wife and the children and he was a very very toxic person to the people around him because he was a very very angry father um, at the age of two, Richard, he was stuck, uh, struck in the head by a piece of furniture. And I know that doesn't sound that bad, but getting struck in the head by a falling piece of furniture is actually dangerous. He ended up cutting up a big gash in his head, especially on his forehead. And then a few years later, when Richard was actually five, he was struck again in the head with a swing at school. And he was knocked unconscious by that. Richard would say at some point that he would usually suffer from seizures. And actually, side note, if you pay attention to all these um, backstories, there's a lot of consistencies um, that are in common with all these killers and murderers, right? Um, usually, they all suffer from some kind of victim or abuse um from from their childhood but there's also something else that they usually have in common it's head injuries and a lot of famous serial killers suffered from head injuries um ed gein for example we have also gary heidnick and john wayne gacy and you there's always these familial patterns that usually happen with serial killers and their childhood so head injuries trauma and abuse right so Keep, keep, keep everything straight and stay with me. All right. So anyways, um, Richard, since his home life was very toxic, he would spend a lot of his time nearby at his cousin's house. 
His cousin's name was Miguel. And he was, he, he was something. So Miguel, he was much older than Richard. And Richard was 10 at the time. And Miguel had been an army combat veteran who served in the Vietnam War. So he was a pretty hardcore dude. And he was also a very effed up and messed up person in all sorts. Um, so basically... His mental well-being was not the best. Miguel was very traumatized from the war. And, you know, he had a lot of just um, a lot of fucked up things in his head, really. Um, so Richard would go over and he would just hang out with his cousin thinking that, you know, well, Miguel is just an old, cool, an older, cooler cousin, you know. And Miguel would tell Richard all the awful things he experienced while he was at war. He would also tell Richard the awful and violent rapes that he committed while stationed in Vietnam. He even had photos um, of him posing next to a severed head belonging to a woman that he had raped and killed. So he was showing all this to Richard, and, you know, 10-year-old Richard was like, oh, cool, you know, like, he didn't really know what was really going on. So... As I said, Richard was 10, and he thought that Miguel was a cool older cousin, and he didn't really think of it, you know? He was just like, yeah, I'm just looking at all these things. So, as you can see, Miguel was not the best influence um, on, on Richard. Anywho, Miguel, he would end up teaching Richard some of the skills that he learned when he was in the military, including how to kill and how to capture people as well. Right? And that's something you should teach a 10-year-old, right? <laughs> so on May 4th, um, 1973, Richard was at Miguel's home and they were just, you know, hanging out, chilling, when suddenly Miguel and his wife, they get into this very, very heated argument. And it ended up really pushing Miguel over the edge and he ended up shooting his wife in the face. Now, Richard was there and he was sitting on the couch, you know, trying to stay out of it. And he witnesses Miguel shooting her. So Miguel ends up being arrested and taken into prison, but he was found not guilty by reasons of insanity, and he would just spend um, four years incarcerated in the state mental hospital. Yup. So for a while after the shooting, Richard decides that he wants to live with his sister and her husband because he doesn't want to go home and it's not really the best place for him. So he ends up moving with them and the husband though he is just one big mess his sister's husband's name was roberto and roberto he was you know he was peeping roberto would take richard with him at night and they would peep in windows of really attractive lady neighbors so he'd go around the neighborhood looking for attractive ladies and where they live and they would just you know creep on them so both of them would go and just creep through the window and watch these like women undress or like go to the bathroom or just watch them just be creepy. And it seems like for Richard, he was just going from one bad place to another bad place. I mean, you know, he would just from his house to Miguel to his, to, to um, what's his name? To um, Ricardo, Roberto, sorry. Oh my God, I said Ricardo, Roberto. Uh, and he was just, you know, he was not living um, the best life as a child. But as a teenager, Richard began associating his sexual fantasies with violence. 
When he was at school, he also worked part-time at the Holiday Inn, you know, the hotel. And so he was working part-time at the hotel and he was also going to school. He was using this job to his advantage, right? He would use his passkey to enter into hotel rooms and rob the guests while they were out. So one night when he was working at the hotel, Richard broke into and he just, you know, used the key pass and he broke into a guest's hotel room. Now, this hotel room belonged to a couple. The husband was somewhere, he had left, and it was just the wife by herself there. So Richard let himself into the room, he attempted to rape the woman, and the husband ended up walking into the room and catching Richard attacking his wife. He tackled Richard and then tried to take him out, holding him down until the police were called. But the charges were actually dropped, um, when the couple actually refused to testify. And I'm kind of trying to figure out why they refused to testify, but they were from from out of state and they were just, you know, visiting. And they didn't want to travel back to their home state so they can testify against him. But um, because of this, actually, um, Richard lost his job at the hotel and he ends up dropping out of high school in the ninth grade. Yep, so he was um, suffering from a lot from the ninth grade up until the age of 22 years old, right? Which is crazy. But now, we don't know what really happened with, with Richard from the age of 9 till 22. There was like a gap years, not even gap year. There was a huge gap between the age of 9 to 22. But right now, Richard is 22, and that's when he decided that he was going to move from Texas to California permanently. So he moved to California, and he went to San Francisco first. He was staying in the Tenderloin District, and it's April 10th, 1984. Richard is staying at this hotel in San Francisco, and this is where he ends up murdering a nine-year-old girl in the basement of the hotel. Sadly, he raped and he beat the poor girl. Whew. And before stabbing her to death, um, he did all of that. You know, so he raped, he beat her, and then he stabbed her to death. And that would be Richard's first known murder. And initially, this murder wasn't connected to him at all, but it was solved if, like later on in 2009 when they finally were able to link his dna to the dna on the body so he ends up going down south to los angeles so on june 28th 1984 a 79 year old woman she actually her name was jenny and she was found brutally murdered in her apartment in glassell park in los angeles it was said that she had been stabbed repeatedly while asleep in her bed and her throat was slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Whoever had done this, because at that time no one knew it was Richard Ramirez, they knew whoever did this had gone through the window and they had a fingerprint but no suspect. So on March 17th, 1984, Richard had attacked a 22-year-old woman and her name was Maria, and all of the crimes took place in, like, the Los Angeles area. So, 22-year-old Maria was pulling into her garage when Richard ends up, like, ambushing her. Like, he ran up to her. He pulls out his handgun, and he shoots her in the face. And she ends up surviving because the bullet had, um, 
rotched off the key that she held in her hand so she like lifted her hand to protect herself and she ended up saving her own life and richard thought that she was like dead so he goes inside of the home and inside of the house was her roommate a 34 old 34 year old woman named um delilah i, I think no named dale yeah so dale she had heard the gunshot from inside the house and she had dunked behind a counter in the kitchen and she was kind of just like hiding there you know she ends up raising her head over the counter and she um she kind of wants to see where um you know richard was hiding and that's when richard sees her shoots her in the face and kills her richard then looked around the house and he tried to steal valuable jewelry or just anything valuable and he decided to leave within the same hour um richard had come across a lady her name was veronica and she was sitting in her car richard wanted to steal her car so he would get away so he ends up pulling her out of the vehicle shooting her twice and then he ran and stole a car so what he did was he, he literally ran on foot after her shot her and then took the car like that's what he did like he he did all of that so then on march 27 1985 richard broke into a home and he had broken into this house once before so it was the second time actually and he goes back and he breaks into this home once again and it's 2 a.m in the morning and that's when he gets to see 64 year old vincent who's sleeping in his room next to vincent was his 44 year old wife her name was maxine and richard just shoots vincent in the head and of course this wakes up the wife maxine who's sleeping next to him and richard he just like hops on top of her he beats her and then bounds her hands um together and then he demands that she tells him where all the valuable items are inside of the house she tells him that there is some jewelry you know over there and she just told him just take whatever you want please don't kill me you know leave me alone so maxine was able to get her hands out of the bonds and she knows that there's like a shotgun underneath her bed so she's able to get out of there and she was trying to be quiet so he doesn't know that she's getting out she gets up under the bed she grabs a shotgun and that's when richard comes in the room she points it at him and pulls the trigger click it wasn't loaded oh my god so i can't imagine what maxine was feeling in that moment and of course this infuriates richard so he then proceeds to shoot her three times so then richard ends up grabbing a knife from the kitchen gouges both of her eyes out of her face and then he puts them in the jewelry box he takes the jewelry box and he just goes away with it he takes it so when richard was leaving the scene he actually ends up leaving his footprints from his sneakers um on the flower bed um like the thing that's like outside of the house and um they actually like made a cast out of his footprint um but also the police had found bullets at the scene as well which had matched those found at the previous attacks that happened and that's the moment when the police realized that they had a large serial killer wandering around the city so then on may 14th 1985 richard goes down to this place called monterey park and he enters the home of 66 year old bill and his 56-year-old disabled wife, Lillian, 
who Bill was like, you know, the main take uh, caretaker of. And I know this probably sounds so bad. Um, 66-year-old Bill was in his bedroom and Richard enters the room. And he kind of just like, he has a confrontation with him. And when Bill went to go reach for his own handgun, who he had nearby, um, Richard shot him in the face. Then Richard goes around, starts stealing stuff um, to find valuables, but then he enters Lillian's room and he finds her there. Um, he bounces her up, rapes her, and then he ransacked the home. He raped a disabled 56-year-old woman. Sadly, Bill passed away while he was in the hospital, which is really, really sad. So then, May 29th, um, all these took place in 1985. So I'm not going to say 1985 anymore. I'm just going to say the month and the date. So Richard steals a Mercedes, of course, um, and he drives out the home of an 80-year-old uh, woman named... Um, an 80, what's her name again, guys? Stay with me. An 83-year-old woman named Mabel, okay? And she's living with her 81-year-old sister named Florence. Both of them live together. He breaks into their home and he goes straight to the kitchen. And in the kitchen, he finds a hammer. He runs into Florence first. He beats her with the hammer. <laughs> and then he runs into Mabel, bounds her hand tight together, and then ends up beating her with the hammer and then gets electric cords and give both he gives both the women electric shocks using the cord and then he proceeds to rape florence after that and yeah i mean wow he then grabs the lipstick that he sees and he draws like a pentagram on mabel's thigh and as well as on the ball on the walls of the bedroom the two women were actually discovered Two days later, um, they were both still alive and they were transferred to the hospital. On July 2nd, Richard stole a Toyota and he randomly selected the house of a 70, of 75-year-old Mary. He quietly entered the home and he found her asleep in her bedroom. He then beat her until she was unconscious with a lamp. He then tried to find, again, valuable items in the home and left. She was later discovered dead at the crime scene. Oh, and it keeps going. July 7th, yup, he broke into the home of 61-year-old Joyce. Um, she was sleeping on her living room couch, and Richard beat, beat her to death and kicked her in the head, which ended up leaving a clear shoe print from his sneakers on her face. And then after this attack, um, Richard decided that he needed a better tool to commit these crimes that he was doing, right? So he goes and he buys a machete. Um, I mean, if I was the store owner, owner and this guy comes in, randomly buys a machete, I feel like it would totally be a red flag. Like, you're buying a machete? Let me get your information, you know? But, come on. Machete, that's not, that's not a good thing. But Richard keeps stealing all these cars, and he just wipes them down, and he ditches it somewhere, and then he moves on to the next car. So he drives out of, um, to a home of 66-year-old Lela and her 68-year-old husband, Max, he bursts into the couple's bedroom when they were sleeping and he kills both of them with the machete. And then after he knew that they were dead, he thought that he actually thought that they were dead because he just shot them in the head, you know? And then he robs their house and takes all of their valuables. The same night, July 20th, 4 a.m., Richard broke into another home. 
It, would it was husband and wife, and they were asleep in their bed. Richard shot the husband, which instantly killed him, and then he bound and raped the wife. Then the couple had an eight-year-old son. The eight-year-old son came walking in because he was, you know, hearing noise. Noise is coming from his parents' bedroom. He goes into the room and sees what's going on. He... So then, Richard actually ends up seeing the eight-year-old boy. He bounds him up and he drags him around the house, telling him to show him where the valuable items are. And then it was said that during that time, when he was dragging the little boy, he demanded that he swear to Satan that he was not hiding any money from him. He left the child bound in the home, and the child was able to get out and went to the neighbor's house for help. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing okay. If you guys need to leave and like take a break from this, I totally understand. But I know all of this just is, is totally crazy, you know? Like, all these things happening to people, like, what the F, you know? Like, that's crazy. So moving on, August 8th, Richard steals another car and he chooses the home of 27-year-old Sakina. And her 31-year-old husband, Elias. Um, at this point, sometime, it was after 2.30 a.m., he enters the home and he walks into the master bedroom where they were asleep. He shoots and kills Elias, and then he handcuffs Sakina while forcing her to reveal the locations of like the family jewelry. And it was said that Richard repeatedly demanded that she swears on Satan and that she would not scream during his assaults. Sure. So he ends up taking any valuables, and he saw that when he was leaving the house, um, I mean, the police, they, they keep finding these victims, and they're, like, linking up all, them all together, and they were, like, for sure thinking that it was a serial killer that did all of this, you know? But they didn't want to draw so much attention and, like, scare Richard away, so um, they had a televised press conference that took place, and it was during this conference which they ended up giving richard the name of the night stalker now during all of this um they told the viewers to lock their doors lock their windows because someone is coming and it could be any of you guys um and you know it was just like it was scary like people were scared and it was it was scary because he was out there killing anyone and everyone and the press conference actually pissed out a lot of people, especially the LA detectives, because it ruined everything for them. They knew that Richard was going to be watching this, and they knew that if Richard was going to like make her run for it, it was going to destroy all types of evidence that they might have. And, you know, they were the detectives were really, really pissed off, and they had this media they had the media conference about it and i mean they were right because richard was indeed watching everything and he saw this and he knew that everyone was onto him he then he took his sneakers because they had mentioned in this media conference um that they you know that they found like a footprint in the garden area remember like on that house he broke into and they found like what kind of sneaker it was and they made the announcement on tv and that was that was really bad because then Richard takes the sneakers that were linked to the crimes. He drives up to San Francisco and then he goes to the Golden Gate Bridge and he drops the sneakers off the Golden Gate Bridge into the water. And he just remained in the San Francisco area for a, for, for, for sorry a few more days until he goes back to the Los Angeles area. So, I mean, okay... 
he drives back to Los Angeles, and on August 24th, he um, gets this urge um, to break into someone else's house again. So he dives a little bit outside of the Los Angeles area, and he is kind of lurking outside of a home. Um, inside was a 13-year-old boy named James, and he was awake, and he hears footsteps outside the window. And this at this point, everyone had heard about this night stalker. Um, so everyone was like just freaked out, you know, and um, this James, this boy James, he hears like the footsteps and he's like, oh, the night stalker. So he runs, wakes up his parents and they're being just like really, really loud and making sure that whoever's outside is like hearing them right. The, this freaks Richard out and he gets into the stolen car and just drives away. So James, a 13-year-old boy, he runs outside brave and had a little notepad and he noted the color of the model and like the car okay that richard was speeding off in and james was also able to get a few numbers from the plate and the license plate of the car so he contacted the police and he handed over what he knew and what he saw the stolen vehicle that richard was driving in they found it on august 28th and they were able to get like a fingerprint from the rear view mirror and even though Richard was really good at, like, you know, wiping down the vehicle, he missed, like, one little fingerprint. And the police were excited about this because they finally got a fingerprint. So they go back and they're able to get a positive ID on the fingerprint. And now they had a name for the serial killer who's been causing chaos. The fingerprint belonged to someone named Richard Ramirez. They see that he's, like, 24, a 25-year-old from Texas. He had a long rape sheet that including many arrests for traffic and drug violations. So the law enforcement decided, sorry, to release a mugshot of Richard that they had on file. And they they do another media um, conference and they publicly address Richard because they know he's watching. And they say, we know who you are. Everyone else will, too. And there will be no place for you to hide. Which I feel was such a ballsy move when you address the killer on camera. Like, I feel like to them, they took this as a challenge. Like, oh yeah, you know, like, we know who you are. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. And I don't know if that made Richard angry. But August 30th, Richard decides to take a bus to Tucson, Arizona. That's where his brother was living. So his brother at this time, I guess, he was completely unaware of what was going on. Um, now, every newspaper and TV program in California was running the story, okay? And it wasn't everywhere, and, you know, I don't know so much, but if it was in Tucson, then the news were probably not reaching there. But anyways, Richard ends up not meeting with his brother, and he takes the bus out to Tucson, and then he gets back on the bus and goes back to Los Angeles. When um, he goes back to Los Angeles, and I think he was really worried that he was gonna put his um brother in danger or maybe like get involved in his crimes but it's really unclear why he didn't you know go and uh, go and see his brother so he gets back on the bus and he goes back to los angeles and on august 31st richard gets off the bus he's walking and he looks over and he sees like a newspaper rack like it has magazines newspapers everything and every single newspaper has a picture on the front and he sees this and it sends him into like a full-blown panic he like had a full meltdown like he takes off the running shoes and he just runs across the freeway stops the car it's a woman he he tries to like carjack her and like other people they saw this happening so they prevented um the carjacking 
from this woman and like richard he's so done like he takes off he hops over like several offenses and he attempts to um jack more cars but this is the good part he ends up in east los angeles okay so he ends up in the wrong part of the neighborhood perfect right <laughs> we love that so his dumbass tries to stop one of the cars and driving you know down the street luckily there were people outside like a group of guys hanging around and they were seeing they, they saw this happening and they were like no 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 we're not letting this happen you know um they attack richard one of them had struck richard over the head with a metal bar and it prevented him from getting away because it like knocked him out you know so the group ends up taking turns beating the shit out of richard and holding him down until the police came bravo so richard gets arrested and he gets put in prison and he's waiting for his court date so the first court appearance whew, there is you know the press the media richard has a carved pentagram on his hand he's showing it to the camera you know he's proud he just yells hail satan lots of satan stuff on his body as well and august 3rd 1988 the Los Angeles Times reported that jail employees have overheard Richard planning to shoot the prosecutor with the gun. And then Richard was really bragging like he was going to smuggle like a gun into the courtroom and how he was going to do it and all that. And they install a metal detector outside the courtroom. So then August 14th, the trial was interrupted because one of the jurors did not arrive to the courtroom. And later that day, she was found shot in the head in the apartment what so naturally the jury was terrified i mean they were all thinking it was richard come on like that he someone was like he probably got someone to do this for him but the jury was really afraid um for their own lives because you know one of one of them was trying to be on duty and then they were killed and they never wanted to put their life at on risk but i don't blame them i mean but like that's scary later on it was determined that Richard was not really responsible for this lady's death and it was like her boyfriend that shot her and killed her right so just what is going on with these people like what so this is the part that really pisses me off I mean this whole story really pisses me off like you know but the media was covering the story they were showing Rich Richard's photos everywhere a lot of people thought that he was like very good looking very hot and he had fans can you believe he was getting hundreds of letters from girls telling him that they loved him, that they were a fan of his work, that there were people paying to visit him while he was in prison. One of the ladies was a big fan. Her name was Doreen, and she wrote him like 75 letters during the incarceration, and they were in love. And then during this trial, um, women were just flocking the courtroom like to get a glimpse of him. They were screaming like it was Justin Bieber or something, but people don't really scream for him whatever they were screaming and you know they were fangirling over him uh now uh, many of these fans believe that he was innocent that he didn't do any of this and even though everything points to him um the, the one juror she got shot so she ends up being replaced by another woman her name is cindy and cindy was she was obsessed and in love with richard so how she got on the jury i don't know but she's making like you know googly eyes like oh my god hi richard and she would write him like little notes and stuff and like write him letters in prison and you know it, it was it was crazy like he thought that just because she liked him 
um, he would, she would be on his side and she'd save him. So he'd make eye contact with her and he's like, you know, in court and he's like, you know, giving him, like giving her the look, you know, which I find so crazy. How is she even part of the jury? Like what? Yep. You know, that kind of flirting. So September 30th, uh, 1989, Richard was convicted of all charges, 13 counts of murder, five attempted murders, 11 uh, sexual assaults and 14 burglaries. Yup. During the penalty phase of the trial on November 7th, he was sentenced to die in California's gas chamber, um, which they don't even do anymore. So he just sat there and he ended up um, being upset with Cindy, the juror, you know, the, the girl that was in love with him. He was very upset with her um, because she didn't have his back. He was disappointed, you know, that he got the death sentence when he was trying to flirt with her. And she would later go on TV and she did a few appearances when she insisted that he had been poorly represented and he wasn't deserving of the death sentence. Like, what? Like, how do you do that? Like, come on. Like, he's a serial killer. You guys, you don't deserve that. He's, he's a crazy man. So, um, I remember in 1988, Doreen, right? They were in love and all that. She was a crazy fangirl. So he had a lot of girlfriends and stuff. Anyways, Doreen ends up like proposing. Um, she ends up, sorry, being proposed to by Richard. Um, he they get married on October third, nineteen eighty six. Yep. Mm hmm. They were married in California San Quentin State Prison, and um, we should just do a video dedicated to like San Quentin State Prison because that that one is also a field trip. Doreen would eventually leave Richard. She found out that he killed a nine-year-old and this upset her, so she broke it off with him. So she she didn't really care about the other murders. You know, she just cared that he killed the nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's great. Doreen needs a wake-up call, <laughs> you know? So Richard was waiting for his execution date, and this was when he became very unwell, very sick. His health was just really falling apart, and he ended up passing away at the age of 53, and he had been sitting on a death row for more than 23 years. There is this museum, um, it's called the Museum of Death, which I, it's probably like on my, on my wish list to visit. It's in Los Angeles, and um, there's one in New Orleans as well, but... Um, I really want to go to the one in Los Angeles. It seems really cool. You're not really allowed to film there or take photos or anything, but um it's 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 crazy, you know. It's it has a collection of like serial killer stuff and like graphic images and all that like every corner is like crazy. You know what I mean like um, but there they have a lot of letters from Richard. They're on display and you can see a picture book um from all the different pictures that he got from the fangirls when he was in prison and all the girls were trying to be like you know cute and sexy and mysterious and like yay like satan like love me richard and they would send him like you know letters and you know expressing their love and it's it's, it's kind of crazy because some of the things that the girls were really trying to do with richard like that was that was crazy so i hope you guys have enjoyed today's story that's about it this is the story about richard ramirez the night stalker and i would love to hear your thoughts and your appreciations i hope you guys stay tuned for another episode thank you